People, I can't believe it. It's been uh, 61 days since we've uh, been in this lockdown, been in this quarantine, been in this completely incredible ordeal. But for the first time since this entire ordeal has gone down, there's a possibility that sports may be back. Welcome to Say Less People. It's your boy Kaz here once again, each and every day, Monday through Friday. During this quarantine, during this social distancing era, uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Google, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Usually, when I do these episodes, I do a short little intro, talk a little shit, introduce our guest, and then we get right into the interview. Obviously, today's guest is a good friend, well, a good friend from a distance. We haven't necessarily met before, but we have kinfolk. You know what I mean? We're both SUNY Purchase Panthers. He is an incredible athlete. His name is Maxwell Pierce. He's a Harlem Globetrotter. He's also done motion capture for NBA 2K. He's also been in the College Slam Dunk Contest. He is literally one of the greatest dunkers alive today. And we got him on the show. Uh, we have a great talk, great interview. We talk sports, talk content creating. We talk about all that type of stuff. But in addition to that, man, we got a light at the end of the proverbial social distancing tunnel. Yesterday on ESPN, Asian Wojnarowski said NBA owners and executives are hopeful for a return to basketball after a call with Adam Silver. They had some sort of Avengers meetup yesterday on on this on this amazing conference call. I'm pretty sure it was a Zoom call or something. But let me pull up the tweet right now just so we know exactly what we're dealing with right here, right? So yesterday, all-stars from the across the entire league. That goes, let's see, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, all in favor of the NBA returning this season and finishing the season. All right? So let's get into the story right here. I want to give you all the details here so I'm not missing anything. And then I'll give you my thoughts because obviously there's a lot to digest here. There's a lot to really take in. Participants on the Board of Governors call yesterday with the NBA Commissioner Adam Silver left the virtual meeting feeling increasingly positive about the league's momentum toward a resumption of play this season. The discussion centered on health and safety concerns, including the goal of getting team officials and players comfortable with the idea that a positive test for the coronavirus upon a return would not shutter play. A big, big thing here. So obviously, when the NBA restarts, hopefully, they would go right into the playoffs, right? But one of the big questions have always been, you know, what happens if somebody tests positive, right? So I'm saying it's game six of the NBA Finals. You got LeBron James. You got Anthony Davis getting ready to play. Anthony Davis gets a, a positive coronavirus test. He has to sit out. That affects gameplay. So what I'm seeing here, and, and something that I've seen for a long time when it came to, you know, what, what it would take to get sports back in this brand new world that we're living in, is kind of a, a dehumanization of our athletes. And I'm not necessarily rocking with that. Um, the fact that you got players willing to go in there. And the NBA basically absolving themselves of any sort of wrongdoing. If it came to somebody getting a positive test, 
somebody coming up with the coronavirus, like, all right, you got the coronavirus, great, you quarantine, you sit down, all that type of stuff. We've already seen players like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, lots of Brooklyn Nets players, and then after a while, they just kind of stopped reporting on uh, who got the virus and who didn't. But from what I could tell and what the information has been given, a lot of these players seem to be okay. I mean, not no long-term effects. Nobody's passed away from it. Nobody's died. You got to understand a lot of these, uh, the, the people that have been dying from this virus have to deal with uh, a lot of underlying conditions. Sure, there's been the rare cases where people that aren't elderly or aren't children still passed away to this pandemic, to this, uh, to this disease. But from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like any NBA players that were infected have had any long-term effects. Granted, it hasn't been a long-term thing yet, but we don't know what's really going on. Questions. How many positive tests would be too many is my question. Um, to get to the NBA, right, let's, let's, just make, let's just paint a picture with exactly what they want to do. They want to try and restart the season at a central location. Two of the locations that have been talked about, one, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm guessing the T-Mobile Arena where you see a lot of UFC fights. And you got Orlando, Florida, Walt Disney World. It'd basically be like AU games on steroids, which I'm kind of with that. And a lot of these players probably play that wild world of sports in Disney World. And uh, it'll probably be a nice blast in the past for them. I know it'll be a blast in the past for myself as well, seeing basketball played in what is essentially high school gyms. But how many suspensions is too many? I'm sorry, not suspensions. How many positive tests are too many? At what point do players have to be like, okay... I don't really feel like I'm being treated as a human being. I feel like I'm being treated as an object, as a product. You're basically asking these players who are the head of their household, in charge of everything that comes to their life, in charge of a lot of things, to basically risk their health, risk their family's health, in order to finish this season. I'm not necessarily sure that this is the right way to go. But at the same time, the more I see a lot of people starting to return to work in different cities and different states, non-essential workers starting to return to work in certain parts of New York State this week, which I've always seen as the epicenter of everything going on in America. Because America's got to get, you got you to get this right, okay? Like, you got to understand that if shit ain't right in New York City or New York State, Shit ain't going to be right anywhere in the United States. You could you can miss me with the L.A. talk. Miss me with the three months until July in California. Los Angeles is very spread out. It's very big. And they're taking, it, they're taking proper precautions because at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in Los Angeles. It's not as condensed as New York City. Comparing New York City's pandemic conditions to Los Angeles' pandemic conditions is like comparing... Ah, uh, gosh, how can I put this? Just as far as landmass is concerned, it's, it's needle in a haystack material. Los Angeles is just simply too big and it's spread out. So, of course, they're going to try and take the biggest precautions and then watch New York and see how New York handles it. But in any case, we're at the point where superstars 
of the NBA have presented a united front. So I'll read out the exact names now that I got it in front of me. Chris Paul, president of the Players Association, arranged the call that included LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Russell Westbrook. They said the group's decision is expected to hold significant weight in the decision-making process for the rest of the league's players when it's time to deliberate on whether to restart the season. Also said ESPN reported that players association reps began informally polling players about resuming the season. So basically, Adam Silver and some folks sent out group chats, group texts, saying, hey, do you want to play the season or not? Very loaded question. Obviously, I think everybody wants to play the season. Everybody wants to finish the season because next year could negatively affect the CBA. And I talked to that, talked to Max about that later in this in this episode. But uh, some players, you know, are not even in the playoff picture. So you got your Kevin Durant, your Steph Curry's. I mean, Kevin Durant's hurt, but he's not in there. I'm not even sure if the Blazers were in or out last I looked, but the Warriors are definitely not in there. But So involving Steph Curry was not necessarily a this season thing. It's definitely a next season thing. The collective bargaining agreement agreed to by the players. If there's no players, if there's no games... If there's no cable, if there's no uh, attendance to be taken, NBA players, are, are they're taking a hit regardless. There's never going to be a new normal. We don't know if there's going to even be fans in the stands next year. But as far as revenue sharing is concerned, the players are absolutely going to take a hit. The billionaire owners are absolutely going to take a hit. At this point, we're all talking about at what cost? At what cost is it going to take to help build this thing back up? At what cost is it going to take for NBA players to be like, all right, I've done what I had to do to ensure the safety of my teammates, my, my, my franchise, my staff, all this type of stuff. Let's say it all goes well. Let's say the NBA returns. They play games in Walt Disney World. Play games in Vegas. They crown a champion. Nobody gets sicker. Everything goes according to plan. Do you think billionaires are going to step up and be like, you know what, we'll take this pay cut to make sure our players are good? I don't think so. Do you think players are going to push back against billionaires and say, hey, you know what, we're just glad to be able to play this game again and, and make some sort of a living rather than no living at all, which is definitely a possibility? I don't think so. I think this is the beginning of a big mess. Whether you're an NBA player, whether you're an owner, whether you're anything that you're, you have to do with anything that has to put this thing in order. At least the NBA has a little bit of their shit together. When it comes to Major League Baseball, they might be a little bit more fucked up than usual. Baseball, another spread out sport. Sport that doesn't revive, require so much human contact. I'm actually surprised Major League Baseball isn't ahead of the NBA in this right now. Because they got way more to lose. And it looks like they do not want to do a 50-50 revenue split. And a league that isn't necessarily the biggest so far. And a league that is probably, what, fourth as far as human interest in my estimation? I'll say the NBA, NFL, 
given where you're coming from. Those are my top two. You got boxing. You got UFC. And then maybe baseball. Granted, they may not play make as much money as baseball players, but I'll tell you this. A lot of people are only paying attention to baseball three times of the year. Opening day, All-Star Weekend, Home Run Derby, and the playoffs. UFC's on every night. UFC's on every week. Speaking of which, I caught the UFC fights this past weekend. Not going to hold you. Thoroughly fucking entertained. Thoroughly entertained at that shit. It was something so primal about hearing the sweat and people getting hit and attacked. The shit kicked out of them with no crowd to react to it. <laughs> Here in the corners, hey, go for the arm, go for the you're losing, get back up. And them actually adjusting. Seeing some of the greatest fighters in the world lay it all in the line to absolutely nobody in a crowd. It was like watching human cockfighting. But you know what? I fucking loved it. I'm not even trying to convince myself I'm the biggest MMA buff or the smartest mixed martial arts fan. I like to see fights. I'm a fan of fighters. Glad to see GSP going to the Hall of Fame. Glad to see, you know, uh, Henry Coedo retire. One of the goats. Young goat, by the way. Talking about beating up Rey Mysterio and shit. (laughs) But I only kind of like the UFC. You do this for me with with the NBA. I'm going to like it even more. Let me tell you. Let me paint the picture for you. You got the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers, uh, Walt Disney World. Or the T-Mobile Arena, somewhere in Vegas. Shit talking, calling people out, clear out. He can't guard me. He's too little. Swing the ball, expose him. I need all that. Granted, if they could be safe, I need all that shit. I'm trying to see the best players in the world go at it in the most natural environment that basketball can be played. An empty gym, 10 guys, one ball to decide who's the best team in the world. It looks like we're going to be in this kind of predicament for a long time. But I'll tell you this. If we could safely make this happen and we could start talking about sports once again and watching sports again and playing sports again, there's probably not going to be another vaccine For a year. So you're definitely going to hear some pushback. But if there's a way to safely do it. I say let's do it. I don't think it's going to be something where. There'll be an asterisk on the championship or something. Because not a real season. I think this this championship won this year would be worth more. Than any other championship ever. You're, You're playing in circumstances that are. Unprecedented. Never in life have you ever had to play in the situation where you're literally risking your life. You mean to tell me that's going to be an asterisk? That it's going to be a championship that means less? I know Shaq says it's going to it's going to mean less if you win a championship this year in a shortened season when people haven't played in two months and then they got to get right back into the fold in the thick of it. I'm not rolling, Shaq. 
And I love Shaq, but I'm not rolling. I truly believe if they can figure it out. And the NBA has always been on the, the cutting edge of player safety, player empowerment, doing what the players want the most. And it's starting to seem like uh, day by day, the players want to play. So it's on, it's on the NBA, it's on Adam Silver, it's on the health experts, it's on them to get them ready to play. Because I think it's happening. Give it to like June or something, July, we'll see. And we're going to get some basketball, some playoff basketball. And I hope the guy we get it soon because I can't watch too much more wrestling. <laughs> Speaking of wrestling, congratulations to Becky Lynch. Pregnant by her fiance, the CrossFit Jesus, the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. It's rare that uh, pro wrestling news makes mainstream news, but Becky Lynch, at the top of her game, probably, not even probably, definitely the most popular WWE star on the roster at the moment, taking a step aside to go be a mom. Unprecedented. You know, it almost feels like it's almost been this quiet thing when it comes to WWE stars where, especially if they're women, that they kind of only got a few years at it. You see so many wrestlers, a lot of male guys, a lot of male wrestlers, they can go on for years and years and years. And a lot of times they do. But for women, it's not quite the same because they get maybe four or five years max and then they either go do something else or they stop and have a family. And kind of slow down the grind a little bit. And he got Becky Lynch. Who. The main event at WrestleMania last year. Defeated Ronda Rousey. Most popular female athlete at the moment. At the time. And has been champion ever since. And I've always been a fan of a, of a title relinquish. Over. A weird sort of storyline. And I think the WWE, for all the shit that they've eaten over this pandemic and everything and the way that they handled it, I think it was an extremely classy move that they pulled, that they pulled putting the title on Oscar and the way that they did it. Um, congratulations to Becky. Congratulations to Seth. Hoping for them to have a, a, a beautiful, healthy burpy bumping crossfit baby <laughs> and uh it's gonna be a very interesting year in professional wrestling without the man around but if you thought she was popular now you ain't seen nothing yet if i know anything about becky i know by the time she has that healthy boy or girl and by the time she's had enough time to recuperate, enough time to, you know, really take in what it's like to be a mom, I think she'll be back. And I couldn't see another way that you make this woman's revolution, evolution, whatever you're calling it nowadays, to take even a bigger step is to have its biggest star go take a, a year off. Be a mom and come back and kick ass. That is a message. That is something, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely 
close to and just seeing the miracle of, of, of childbirth and the miracle of, of trying to have a baby and what it takes to come back from that is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. So I'm praying for her. I hope the best for her. But I know if there's anybody that can do it, it's the man. So we actually got to talk a little bit of sports today, and we're going to talk a little bit more sports in a little bit. Special guest, Harlem Globetrotter, fellow Purchase College Panther, um, NBA 2K, NBA Live, mod, mocap star, I guess. Viral Duncan Sensation. You can follow him at Maxwell Pierce on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you go. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of shit. Great talk. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's the longest intro I've ever done. But Emilio, if you be ever so kind to hit the fucking music. First off, how you doing right now? I know a lot of your work is being outside and being, you know, playing hoops and balling and with everything going on in the world. Like, how, how are you holding up just not being able to do what you do every day? Yeah, well, I think this whole quarantine is really an opportunity or a blessing in disguise to really um, express my creativity and the depth of who I am as a person. I think a lot of people get caught up in, and primarily it's my fault, but a lot of people get caught up in perceiving me as just this one uh, athlete and nothing else. Right. And I've got so much more to bring than just that. So this quarantine has really given me an opportunity to create um, on the non-athletic side, especially since I'm hurt right now. So Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I know, I know you was injured for a little bit. How's that, yeah. how that going up? Yeah, it's, what it's was it was it your foot? It was my ankle. Okay. Yeah. So um March actually the day before quarantine officially started, I went to the gym because I knew it was gonna be the last day that the gym was open. <laughs> and of course I landed on somebody's foot and I tore ligaments on the outside of my ankle. So I couldn't walk for like 40 days. Um but now I'm doing FaceTime rehab with physical therapists, uh, which is something I never thought I would be doing. Uh, but you know, you, you really, you really got to stay away from everybody. So yeah, we're 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 in crazy times right now. It doesn't really. I feel like we're all kind of doing stuff that we never thought we'd be doing at this yeah. time. But let's let's take it back a little bit, man. We we have a lot of uh, a, a similar lineage. Yeah, you know I mean, like we're both we're both Purchase Panthers. You know, what yeah. I mean, shout out to Purchase College. Both right. played ball at Purchase College, and uh, you know, it's it's a very unique. Uh, atmosphere to to churn out a a a viral dunker and Harlem Globetrotter. So I mean, for people who may not know exactly what purchase is like, I know what it's like. But for <laughs> somebody yeah. like yourself, uh, just just describe what college was like for you, because I, I have my own stories about yeah. keeping purchase weird and, and what kind of a place that was. Oh, it's definitely one of the, if not the most unique schools. Uh, school environments that I've ever experienced or witnessed. Right. I was a transfer in the purchase, so I came from Fredonia State after my freshman year. And I learned very quickly that the arts or the <laughs> arts program is priority at that school. Oh, yeah. As far as, far as like, the student body and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I remember, I mean, I remember I seen some of y'all games, and I remember the year I got there was, like, the first time, like, you know, this is like maybe 
I transferred in also. So this is like a year before like Marvin came in and Martin, and we all kind of like changed like the perception of the school, but even as good as we were, it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were selling out. Like everybody was still going there to see like, you know, the ballerinas, the actresses, like it's almost like for people who may not know, um, it's the second biggest dance conservatory next to Juilliard. Right. So no matter how good you were athletically, and you were pr- pretty damn, you know, eye-opening. I mean, you were going viral and on SportsCenter and, and all these type of things. Not a lot of people around the campus might have really took notice or known, right? True. That's true. Yeah, it's um like the, the most packed that I've ever played a game at Purchase was our championship game my senior year. Mm. And that was because the school sent out a school-wide email just <laughs> informing the students so um i mean yeah it, it it's really it's really such an interesting dynamic when you when you really analyze the arts kids and then the sports kids but uh fortunately i was able to see them unite at one point in my purchase career so that was really nice right i remember uh you know i don't know if it's changed since then but i was also a transfer i was a transfer at dominican college and when you walk when you first come to campus like there's a, either a guy in drag or somebody uh you know from the dance department but basically they welcome you in in a very unique way and in a weird way when you're in college when you're younger you know, like I was, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you, but you know, when I'm when you're 19, 20 years old, and that's the first thing you see on campus, it kind of prepares you to be just like a little bit more tolerant, right? I mean, like yeah. you gotta understand that. You know, uh, I always tell people like I, I got a lot of my tolerance from going to purchase because it was the first time I was around that many gay people, that many dancers, that many people that were, you know, especially now where where, where you know LGBTQ rights are so yeah. prominent. You know, I, I had, you know, I'm from I'm from New York, like I'm from, you know, Staten Island and Harlem and all sort of stuff like so I really didn't wasn't I was ignorant to a lot of things. Were, were, was the same experience for you when you were over there? So I would say yes. Mm. Um, purchase this internet and like even even from the broader perspective, purchase is truly like a culmination of every single culture you can imagine. Right. We got city kids, then we have the LGBTQ community. Um, we've got the people who just like to do their own thing. Like there's there's a category fulfilled for every single person at that school. And so I just there were a lot of cultures and uh I guess lifestyles that I, I've never witnessed firsthand that I got to witness as soon as I got to purchase. Yeah, man. So, so talk. So let's talk about you know why we know you. You know what I mean? Like what? Why we've seen you? We've seen you in so many. You know, doing so many incredible dunks, so many incredible, just like viral, like stuff that I don't even know how you even come up with the creativity for these things, right? So, for for people who may not know, not only is Maxwell a member of the Harlem Globetrotters, but he's done mocap for NBA Two K. He's done. Uh, you know, he's been on Sports Center, he's been on House of Highlights countless times, Bleach Report countless, countless times. But there has to be a moment where you realize, oh, not only can I dunk, but like I could do things that maybe like one percent of the athletic population could really do. Uh, so, what was that moment like for you? Like, how, when did you realize, like, oh, okay, this is, 
I'm not normal. Like I, I, I know this is very different. Like I know I'm, I'm, I was, I'm one of those chosen few that could do things that nobody on the planet could do. Um, that moment in particular. Let's see. Maybe, maybe. So I, I haven't dunked from the free throw line yet. Mm-hmm. That is one of my goals, and that's something that I'm getting closer to doing. And so, um. One of the first times that I tried it, I got really, really close. Yeah. And um, that was just off of, like, I, I wish that I was able to do, like, long jump in high school or um, or even high jump. But the, the high school that I went to didn't have that. Right. So, um, you know, this is just kind of a lot of what this started with was just off of raw, like, playing manhub with my sister and brother in the backyard growing up. <laughs> So um, I, mean, I think just off of that attempt alone really opened my eyes to say, wow, okay, I, I need to really start experimenting and, uh, you know, see what else I can do. And then once once I finally caught this, Doug, whatever, I don't even know what you want to call it. The yeah, the, 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 the lean back and catch with the, the – I don't know. It's like – it's not even like you're looking at the rim at one point. Like, it's just running and the ball just, like, magically appears in your head. And it's just throw it in. That was the that was the first one that I saw. And I was like, oh, this this kid goes to purchase? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's my favorite one by far. Um, that was just – it is it, number one in all the categories for my dunks. Um I mean, I do have one more that will top that. Uh, I haven't made it yet. I'm very close. I'll send you the attempt. I'm not gonna post the attempt, but uh don't post it. Just 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 send it to me and I will we'll uh we'll preview it later down the road. Uh but yeah, man, like so with those dunks and you know, being on a on a college team, like you you've had, you know, obviously I'd like to know just kind of like what your coaches kind of told you because, you know, always there's going to be those guys that, that want to use you and feel like, oh, man, like you're so athletic. How come you don't do, you know, how come you don't uh, work on these other parts of your game? But knowing that this part of the game and super focusing on it is going to take you to places that being a, a average Division three player isn't going to take you. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I could tell you – dozens and dozens of, like, great All-American Division three players. They're not getting called to go do 2K. They're not getting called to join the Harlem Globetrotters. They're not being – you're an actual professional, right? So at what point were you just like, you know what, instead of just being like, okay, I want to be, like, the best all-around basketball player I could be, like, I'm just going to hyper-focus on this and make this my thing. Yeah. Um, it kind of just really happened naturally, to be honest. Duncan yeah. has always has always been my favorite thing to do within the game of basketball. Um, I just actually found a picture of me when I was 12 in uh, my backyard, and I was trying to imitate or recreate the Jordan logo. Right. I literally, um, I, like, I printed out a picture, and I put it right next to the camera, and, um, and I was just trying – my best to like freeze frame your video. But um, so I guess when you have, when you grow up with that kind of passion for something, you you know, you just always want to surround yourself with it. So once I finally realized that I was capable of, uh, you know, doing these kinds of dunks, then um, my next goal was like, okay, college dunk contest. So once I got there, you know, things just kind of just domino affected from there. I didn't, I didn't, 
specifically plan like okay Harlem Globetrotters, NBA 2K, NBA Live. It didn't it didn't really happen like that. But once I was able to get on a platform like ESPN for the college dunk contest and you know show people what I was capable of, then that's when things have started to roll so quickly. Um, so yeah, and you want you want a fan vote for that, right? Like it wasn't just there was like a, was it like a contest, or there was like you had to put a video out and and, and the fan vote to get the college. Talk to me about that process. It was crazy, man. And uh, so for that contest in particular, there's eight participants, and seven of them are pre-selected by the NC. Well, not really the NCAA because it's broader than the NCAA. Gotcha. So pre-selected, the seven that were pre-selected. Everyone else was a Division One athlete. So this eighth spot that they were going to give, it was through this online voting competition called the Dark Horse Dunker Competition. Right. And it's a month-long voting period. There's four rounds, and each round is a week long. So you get matched up. It's just like the uh, NCAA bracket. You get matched up each week, and you got to advance all the way to the last week. So um, Purchase and every single person that I know within the reach of my network had voted on my behalf for a month straight. And it was. I think we lost Max for a minute. He's going to pop back in, hopefully, if that, that service gets better. Max, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. My fault, bro. We lost you for a second. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can hear you, but I just can't see you. <laughs> oh, that's weird. It's all good, but you can continue the story, and maybe it'll just pop back in eventually. Okay. Dang, I don't know why he's doing that. It's all good, man. It's just, uh, it's the world we live in it right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but um, it was a month-long voting process, and then purchase, and, and my entire network was eventually able to get me in. And so from then I was like, okay, I, I really got to be sure that I take care of business in here. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's, let's move on to, to how life has changed since then, man. I mean, obviously you're in a position where, you know, not only are you the supreme athletic talent, like you got to entertain and, you know, whether it comes, whether it's, 2K, whether it's the Harlem Globetrotters. Let's let's start with the Harlem Globetrotters. Obviously, they search far and wide for people that to become, you know, members of this illustrious basketball team. And, you know, outside of probably like the Los Angeles Lakers or the Chicago Bulls, like there's probably no more famous team to be a part of than the Harlem Globetrotters. So what was that selection process like for you? How did they find you? Did you reach out to them? What was that like? So, um, just like I was talking about that that uh, college dunk contest, the GM of the Glow Charters was watching that mm. night, and so he called my school and he left a message for me. And then when I got back to purchase, um, Bobby, he was like, "Well, Bobby C, you're right, Bobby C, my um, guy. We called the uh, we called the Kyrie Invitational together. We did a, a play by play this past oh, okay. year." It's my guy, yeah. <laughs> he used to call my games too, man. Like he's yeah, he, he looks he doesn't look that old, but like he used to call my games as well. So it's like, damn, he's an ageless wonder, that guy. <laughs> That's my guy, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So um, yeah, they they left a message, and um, Bobby, when I got back, Bobby was like, "Max, you need to call this number right now." So I called the number, and then um, it was the Globe Shotters, and so then they invited me to a workout, and from there, that's that's pretty much how I got my spot. Um, but I mean, as far as like NBA 2K or like NBA Live for the mocap or the dunks of those. That that was just purely off of like social media and, and Instagram. Um, oh, did so they slide? Like, they slid into your DMs. Was like, hey, you want to be in a video game? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That's like, crazy. No, no exaggeration. So what's that? So what was that like? I mean, you see, anytime we see like any type of mocap situations happening, we just see like a big wetsuit. We see tennis balls, uh, closed sets. I think they even put like a mocap. Uh, 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 cutscene in this year's 2K. Um, so am I on? Am I am I on point with that? Tennis balls, what suits? What's what's that day? Oh, like? what's, what does that? What does that <laughs> day roll out for? Like you? They look like uh, tennis balls. They're actually a little bit smaller. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I got one saved somewhere in here, but they're, <laughs> they're probably. A quarter of the size of a tennis ball. So just like um, the size, like a golf ball, or something, right? Yeah, I would, okay. I would say so. And they're, they're like these little tiny, like reflectors. And in the 2K mocap studio, they've got I think it's some crazy number, like 140 cameras, and each camera is like ten thousand dollars. Jeez, um, it, it's crazy. But um, they capture the light that reflects off of all of the. Uh, off of the all of the little sensors. Okay. And so that's how they can get a precise uh, estimation of how your body is moving when you're doing the dunks. That's crazy. So I mean, but, I mean it, it was just such a fun experience, like just going to California. Well, California was 2K. Vancouver was NBA Live. Right. Uh, and just you know seeing how that's done, being a ch- having a chance to be a part of the game that I grew up playing is just like crazy to me i mean it's crazy because it's like which dunks i i i feel like sometimes i'll play 2k and i want to be like that looked like max's dunk <laughs> they'd be like certain like there'd be certain like ways that like they have like i don't know like the long athlete or like the flight whatever dunk package do you remember what dunk package was yours that that that, so, that is in the game uh so the thing is my my dunks are scattered within all of the different packages. Got it. So there's no one package in particular that only has my dunks um, or has more of my dunks than others. Um, it's kind of like, it's just scattered. To, have you seen, have you seen some of your dunks in the game? Have you like I, I played have. the game and like, yes, that was me. <laughs> I have. Okay. Okay. It's cool, man. And I've seen a lot of times and, and there's always those videos that come out where like, People have to get like dunked on, or like you have to like pretend to get like yammed on and stuff like that. Yeah. I've been dunked on before. I'm sure you've been Me dunked too. on before. Me too. But <laughs> imagine getting dunked on over and over and over again. Is that a fun experience? What is what is that it, like, dude? It 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 really well. Every single part of that experience was fun, especially. Uh. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't think I would take such joy in like getting dunked on. <laughs> just that, the energy in the room that day it was just like we're really doing two K mocap like that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really care what we were doing. Um, 
So that that was fun, man. Hell yeah. So uh, before we started, man, you talked about uh, right now you, you want to get your creativity out just to show people that you're more than an athlete. And I remember – I think following you a couple of years back, I think you, you wanted people to know you as like the dunking accountant or or, or the dunking like Matt. It was something along those lines. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you wanted to make sure that people knew that like outside of athletics, like you had this creative side to you that, you know, you were extremely intelligent and, you know, it wasn't just about athletics all the time. So with this time being, you know, kind of given to you, uh, with, you know, the pandemic going on in the world. What have you learned more about yourself, uh, especially being injured and not being able to just, like, kind of get on the gym whenever you want to? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I knew I was pretty creative uh, prior to this quarantine. Um, but I think this has really shown or shown myself, I should say, um, that I've been able to recreate what I thought couldn't be expanded uh, when my back is against the wall. Mm. Um, I would like primarily my content is like, I I pretty much thrive off of the dunks. Yeah. And so um, I kind of had to find a way to create that same engagement or reaction from something that is not even related. And so, um, I kind of surprised myself with all of the different things that I could come up with um, and, you know, just make really enjoyable content for everyone that's already been following. So I, I would say, you know, my resilience on the creativity end is something that kind of surprised me. Um, and then my ability to, I don't know, I guess entertain myself because I was laying down for 40 days. <laughs> so I, like I couldn't even walk around. Yeah. So like I started, I started doing some art, um, got into a few Netflix shows, which is, you know, that's, that's self-explanatory. I feel um, like that's what we, we all on that time now. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I've, I've seen, you know, I've looked through the Instagram. I've seen like the AT&T campaigns. I've seen like a lot of the, you know, a lot of people just kind of seeing, you know, you've done the stuff with Shaq and Barkley and Kenny and just like all over the place. I mean, like it's, it's amazing what, what your talents have, have gotten to bring you, you know, around the world. And, uh, you know, right now you're at a point where you, you kind of have to be able to, learn on the fly. I feel like everybody's kind of learning on the fly right now, right? Like, there's no, we don't really know when we're going to be back outside. We don't really know when we're going to have live sports again. We really don't know when we're going to be able to congregate with with a lot of us uh, ever again. You know what I mean? Whether it's next year or a couple months or no, nobody truly knows. So if we're at a point where, you know, a, a, a company like the Harlem Globetrotters with thrives on like live sports and, and those type of things. What are some of the thoughts that have, that have run through your mind? Just, you know, in, in, in the case that you never get to perform in front of a crowd again, this is a very real possibility. Yeah. Um, expansion. I, that's been my theme for the, for the entire uh, quarantine for my entire injury is just working on how I can expand virtually and just in, in other realms of my life, you know, mm. athletically, I've had some success, but, um, you know, I can't jump forever. Right, right. <laughs> that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm constantly trying to preach, especially to the younger athletes, is like, 
take advantage of it, use it as a tool while you can, but just understand that there's going to come a time where you can't do it anymore and you need to be able to uh, not only survive, but thrive once you put the ball down. So, mm. so I mean, right now we, we kind of got like a glimmer of hope. Let's just like shift gears a little bit. We finally got like a little bit of glimmer of hope yesterday where there's a possibility that in the next two or four weeks we'll have a plan of possibly getting the NBA back and possibly getting Major League Baseball back. Um, just as a fan, just as somebody who, who who loves the game, enjoys the game, what are your thoughts on the possibility that the NBA will be back under strict quarantining, central locations, all that type of jazz? Do you think uh, the risk is worth the reward right now uh, when it comes to bringing back NBA basketball? So as much of a fan of basketball, of the NBA, uh, as I am, as bored as I have been at times during this quarantine, I don't know how much sense this this makes. Right. Um, I, I'm not fully knowledgeable on the probability of when or how this virus can resurge. Um, I have heard that or, and read that it may resurge again in the fall. Yeah, we keep hearing about the second wave that might yeah. happen, and that's yeah. the one thing we're all kind of worried about. I think the curve's kind of flattened in New York, and they're starting to slowly but surely, like, get people back out on the streets and back to work. But like you said, we, we, we have no idea. We, we don't know anything about this, this, this disease, really. We just kind of take yeah. it a day by day. But we do know that it's a high probability that it may come back again. So right. as, a, as a fan of sports, like, do you think that it's kind of worth it? Or do you know, or what, what, what are your thoughts? It's a big gamble. I mean, they're, they're saying that they're not going to have any fans, correct? Right, yes. Yeah, so. Uh, I'm hearing either Las Vegas or Disney World being too, uh, like, centralized. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think as long as the players are tested and, you know, are disciplined while they are finishing out the season and, you know, they don't come into contact with anybody that hasn't been tested. They, you know, they stay where they're supposed to be. I think it can be successful. Yeah. Um, And successful by definition of finishing the season for the purpose of finishing the season. Right. Um, But by no means are, are any of these organizations going to be able to match or, make up for the revenue lost from, you know, admissions and the stadiums and sales and stuff like that. And I think that's why. I think that's why this this whole thing is very complicated because next year there's a new CBA. There's a new collective bargaining agreement that needs to be agreed to. And if there's no attendance, if there's no games being played because the cable deals are being, you know, are up in the air, like that's why, you know, the WWE has continued to, you know, uh, continue to put on shows. That's why the UFC is adamant about putting on shows because they signed these cable deals. And granted, a lot some of these guys have endorsement deals. Some of these guys have outside money, but a lot of their money is tied into these TV deals. And if they're not, you know, if they're not, you know, owning up to it or at least trying to put out some sort of product, it puts them in a weird position to know that, okay, well, next year, if things go well and everybody's healthy, at the end of the day, there still has to be some sort of revenue split, and there's no if there's no revenue to split up, it's going to be 
I'm not going to say people are going to starve in the NBA because they're multimillionaires are talking about. But things are going to be very, very different. Very, very different. Yeah, this is the the reach of this virus in terms of its effects are so much further than we're projecting. I think that even once things return to normal, as far as how we interact with each other outside, right. um, it's going to take quite some time for us to recover economically. Um, I actually don't think that things will ever be the same as far as how we conduct ourselves in, I guess, large crowd events or environments. Um, I think protocols are going to have to change. There's just so many things that Mm -hmm. are permanently affected by this. Yeah. So it's just really imperative that, you know, the, the NBA, the NFL, everybody really takes the proper precaution to be sure that, you know, everything is done correctly. I feel like economically is one thing, but at the same time, we're talking too much about these players like they're just things, right? Like these are humans. Like these are people that like, you know, mentally you're asking them to leave their families. You're asking them to stay somewhere for the next, what, month or two, play games, uh, run the risk of possibly like reinfecting, or say it's it's game six and the the, the Lakers are up three two and LeBron gets coronavirus. Like then what? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 one of those. Th- yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yo, the, it, I know there's been a lot of people going around saying like, if they continue the season, there's going to be an asterisk on on the on the championship because it wasn't a real season. But there's other people that say that yeah, it'll be an asterisk, but it'd be a good asterisk because you know it'll be it'll be the the one championship that means more than anybody for anything because of what we've been going through. Where do you kind of fall on on, on that sort of argument yeah. on on what it would be like? It's funny. I was just having that conversation the other day, and I agree with the second opinion as to where this whoever wins if this season were to finish out. Whoever wins, they get extra points for that because yeah. the the level of difficulty to get into a rhythm during a majority of the regular season and then take a what is this two months now a two months just about two months yeah it's been sixty one days right so a two month break right before playoffs start and then go and win a championship with no fans. There, there's no conditions that have been more difficult than that. It's unprecedented. Then, it's unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you never mind having to worry about the actual team that you're playing against. Like, there, there are just so many other outside factors that you have to now deal with and adjust to. Like, there, there are no basketball players that are used to, especially in the NBA, that are used to playing in a legitimate empty gym where nobody is cheering, like there, there's no yeah. booing, there's no cheering. There's just, it's just so bizarre. I, I have a weird, I have a weird take on that though, because I feel like it might even be more lit with no crowd, right? Like, because uh, the one thing I, I watched, I watched the UFC this past weekend. I watch, you know, yeah. I'm a big wrestling fan, so I, I've been watching every empty arena sport I can watch. And the one thing I noticed about the UFC was. There's so much talking going on that you don't hear between 
the competitors, their corners, the commentary. Like, you can hear the fights change mid-fight, right? Like, somebody like, yo, yeah. get on them, work the leg, da 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 Like, the, 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 the punches are harder, the kicks are louder. Like, it, it really brings you into the arena. As a hoop nut, as, as a fan who's like a junkie for hoops, I'd be so hyped to listen and hear, like, Real deal trash talk, like real deal, like, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't drown it out from the crowd. You can hear the coach saying stuff. You can hear, oh, he can't guard me. You can hear all that. You know what I mean? And it's like I we're think. all captive just sitting here watching this. If they could do it safely, if they could do it safely, I really do believe that this could be monumentally great television. Yeah. Just as a fan, just as a, somebody <laughs> who wants to be entertained. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think because um, now, now we're viewing it from like a like a fan's perspective. Right, right. From I was just thinking of it more so from like the actual player's perspective. I don't know. Like it, it would just be so awkward for me to get in the arena, play a seven-game series against a team when I'm used to seeing, especially during playoffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe twenty five, thirty thousand people every single game to only seeing media. Yeah, and I don't and even think team. media will be there if I'm if I'm mistaken. I think what they've 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 talked about having like remote control cameras to to limit people in the arena. So it'll be like remote cameras. Maybe they'll have some media like remotely. Like they'll probably have like a. a, a the players go into some room and like do some something like this where they're taking questions from like a virtual uh, press conference or something like that. And then like, but at the same time, like, yes, as a player, I'm just thinking about these guys mentally, man. Like I'm not sure that's been my one hang up. I feel like when it comes to the NBA financially, they always, they always figure it out somehow. Like they, they're one of the few leagues, especially when it comes to the players union and collective bargaining where, you know, player, you know, the, the player empowerment movement started in the NBA, right? Like we, we know that the NFL doesn't have the greatest union and, you know, major league baseball doesn't have the greatest union, but when it comes to the NBA, like, you know, who the president is, you know, Chris Paul runs it, you know, uh, LeBron James yeah. is going to say something, yeah, yeah. you know, their best players are at the table making sure things are going the way they're supposed to go. But as a player, I mean, that's got to take a mental toll on 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 everything. Like you've especially if you've played the game one way and these aren't just guys that are are people who, you know, who who are all right in basketball. Right. Like they've been exactly. they've they've been the man or been in the NBA or in high college basketball most of their life. So now they're being asked to perform at the highest level for the highest prize with no real motivation as far as fans are concerned. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to ask people to do. Like these aren't things, these aren't robots, these are people with actual human emotions. And it'll be weird to see how, you know, people would handle it. Yeah, man. I I just you know, I, I haven't always played like you. You know how it is at purchase. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not a huge crowd. Yeah, um, yeah. Even going the transition for me from playing at purchase to playing at the Garden for the Globetrotters in front of I don't know how many thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a very different feeling. And once I finally adjusted to playing in front of 
that kind of crowd, and that that crowd doesn't even match up to an NBA playoff crowd. Right, right. You know, just once I finally adjusted to that, whenever I played in an arena where it was, you know, really small or there weren't a lot of people, it just felt weird. Yeah, and I, yeah. I've only been playing in front of large crowds for like two years. <laughs> I mean, this, I, I'm hoping, like, it, it'll give me the feel of, like, I'm thinking like Chris Brickley's gym, like Lifetime Athletic, like in the summertime when they have those crazy runs when like KD comes in and Russ Brooklyn LeBron and like you just hear hard dunks and just hard fouls and shit talk. And like that's cool in the summertime, but like you throw in cameras and jerseys and coaches and timeouts and TV timeouts and all that type of stuff. It turns to a very, very different game. Uh, Max, I want to ask you one more question before we get out of here, man. Um, as a creative, you know, we're we're in a weird time as far as like uh, the continued challenge to stay motivated. Um, you're in a very unique situation where not only are you an athlete, but you're also a creative, and a lot of your creativity comes from athleticism. And you're injured, so like all three of these things are kind of happening at once. Um, what do you do to stay mentally stimulated, to stay motivated? Because, uh, you know, I feel like that's been a lot of ch- a big challenge to people your age and people in, in the era of, you know, creating content and being able to stay, you know, motivated and stay relevant in a time where, yes, people are looking for entertainment. But at the same time, like, you got to take care of yourself as well. So how do you how, how have you kind of stayed uh, mentally motivated throughout this pandemic? So one of the things that I do weekly, I look through my content in the past things that have gone well things that haven't gone well and i kind of really take a close look and analyze what things that i do in the successful content versus the things that i did in the not successful content and it's really helped me to pinpoint things that i like in my own content and things that i don't like And um, so I think this whole quarantine has really given me a time to do some research um, and, you know, reevaluate myself. And so I think one of the things after taking everything that I take from doing that research, one of the things that keeps me motivated is that I know that once the gates are lifted on this quarantine, everybody's going to come out guns blazing. And so Mm -hmm. I cannot be one of those people. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Max, it's always good talking to you, man. It's good to finally talk to you. Uh, I've been following you for a long time. Uh, Big fan of everything that you do. Purchase Panthers fam all day, every day. So I'm always rooting for you over here. Uh, Tell people where they can find you at, man. Uh, Maxwell Pierce on all platforms. TikTok, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Max, Stay safe. Heal up soon, brother. And uh, as soon, soon as this thing is over, I'm definitely coming to watch you hoop again, bro. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Be safe, brother. Thanks, bro. And that has been today's episode of Say Less. Thank you to my guest, Maxwell Pierce, fellow Purchase Panther, Harlem Globetrotter, Dunk Artiste. You can follow him at Maxwell Pierce on all social media platforms. This is Kaz. Make sure you wash your ass. Stay safe. And please... Above all else, say less.